This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London, Birmingham City, Minipod. My name's Billy Grant and I'm coming to you from the virtual joint, alone this time, because after the result against Huddersfield on Saturday, we sat back and we thought, tell you what, we're not going to discuss what happened in that game. We're not going to discuss the future of Brentford and the playoffs because we've been pontificating it all weekend and there's all sorts of conversations going down. And it's a really tight space between the Huddersfield game and the Birmingham game. We thought, tell you what, it's best for us to come back on Wednesday and we'll discuss it in full. So what I thought instead with the Birmingham game coming on, let's just concentrate on that game instead. We're going to go and talk to somebody from Birmingham who knows all about Birmingham City. And then we'll come back on Wednesday and we'll discuss Brentford in full. So, (laughs) I say big game on Saturday, it's an enormous game for us on Saturday and also for Birmingham City, who we are playing. For us, it's the top of the table, we need to to do something to get back up there. And Birmingham City, as well, they want to try and pull themselves off near to the bottom and out of the relegation zone. I've been scrambling around trying to find some information over the bank holiday about Birmingham City, but I thought instead, let's go straight to the horse's mouth. And I thought, let's talk to Mark from the Fat Lags Going Goal podcast. Mark, how are you? I'm not too bad, mate. Enjoying my Easter Sunday and eating way too much chocolate. How are you? Yeah, that's all good, mate. Uh, not too bad. A very relaxing day, actually. I quite like the old Easter bank holiday. It's a bit of a weird one, because obviously normally you're plotting up to go to the football on the Friday, then plotting up to go to football a few days later. But this hasn't quite happened this time. No. But to be quite honest with you, I feel so uh, so so dejected after what's been going on recently down at Brentford to be quite honest I'm quite happy to be having my feet up in the house here just sort of kind of chilling out and uh, pulling up the microphone and chatting to you so I mean I know for Birmingham City you know the the last few years quite a few years it's just been it's been hard work 
I think the easiest thing for me to say at Birmingham City and this season has been no different. It hasn't been the best of seasons for you, has it? No, I think um, you've put that in a very PG way. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think Blues fans will probably go a bit harder uh, language-wise than hard work. It's been uh, horrific, tumultuous, just a, a roller coaster that only seems to go down. Um, yeah, it's been bad. Ever, ever since we sacked Rowis, which is generally the the accepted turning points for Blues fans and, and onlookers. It's just problem after problem, uh, manager after manager. I think we've had something like eight managers in 10 years, something daft like that. Uh, now we find ourselves with Boya, which hopefully, touch wood, is another turning point. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, talk to us about this season because, I mean, I'm just saying, it's not, I'm not being funny, but it started off quite good for you because, you you know, you're very lucky. You probably looked at the fixtures and thought, hey, we got Brentford, like, you know, yeah, we can sneak another goal in and really frustrate <laughs> them again. And that's exactly what you did. You got another result first day of the season and things were looking up for you. Or were they? Um, we were chuffed to bits. Um, do you know what? Before coming on here, I watched the highlights from that game and I forgot how lucky we really were to win that. I think you hit the post, you hit the crossbar. Uh, we had Zach Geecock in goal who pulled out some some worldy saves. Um, but we thought, this is it. We're on a roll. We've got Karanka uh, all aboard the party bus. We, we're going up and it just went down and worse and worse and worse. Uh, the players gave up. Some players in particular, that, that well, one in particular that you guys are very familiar with, um, the captain leader and yeah. Harley Dean. The less said, the better. Harley Dean completely gave up threw yet another manager under the bus. Uh, and now we're hoping he doesn't throw the next one under the bus. Um, <laughs> but the, the players, Karenka was the wrong person for us. Why is that? Why? Well, it, it, do you know what? It's not just his fault, actually. Um, we got Don Renning, our, our CEO, and he's got the remit of, we want to play pretty tiki-taka football. Birmingham City have never and will never be tiki-taka, pass it round the back, work it through the middle football. That's not us. We hoof it long and we hope the big bloke puts his head on it and puts it in the back of the net. Karanka has been sort of, the players have been signed before he got there and he's been kind of pushed, had players pushed on him to play this pretty passing football and it was never going to work. Um, by all accounts, the players never got on with Karanka. Uh, he was playing a system that didn't suit us and never will suit us. Um and the players stopped believing in him more so than the fans by the sounds of things, uh, which was evident by a few interviews, snide interviews that, again, Harley Dean's come out with since. It was a tactical thing at the end of the day. We, to, Long and the short of it is we've got Djukovic up top, who is our big striker. He doesn't do much with his feet, but his head is brilliant. Um, we've got two pacey wingers who are brilliant at putting the ball on a sixpence. Um, but he would never play the two together. So we'd play target men without wingers or we'd play wingers without target men. And we had no attacking threat whatsoever. No, no, I hear what you're saying. And I know you sort of say that Birmingham City will never play this part of, you know, this type of passing game. Uh, we've always been a long ball team, but I can tell you this for now. I mean, I supported Brentford for years and we were always that type of football. You know, we would, you know, we'd always play, um, you know, as you do, you play it direct until, you know, the owner decided to get in Uwe Rosler and then they made a, they made a distinct change throughout the whole team. You know, which involved like, you know, basically starting to pass the ball, start to, you know, our tactics changed completely. Yes, we didn't have the players to start off with. And also as fans, we had, you know, we were really frustrated. You know, every time we were trying to pass the ball around, which we were struggling to do, you know, we were just going, just get it up there. Like, you know, but mm. Uwe Rosler sort of kind of sort of kind of started it off with us. And uh, Mark Warburton came in and this when Harley Dean came in and they, you know, they, they, 
eventually got it within sort of kind of a couple of years they realize it's going to happen and I suppose you know I think is as you're saying you need to have the right type of players in your team to be able to do that you've got players like Maxime Collin who uh, you know we'll talk about him he's a I think he's a fantastic player. He's a great player for us and we were very sad to see him go. And that's, I, I think he's the type of player that would probably, and you might get me wrong, would probably sort of kind of suit that style of football. But he obviously needs to have the players around him that can do the same thing. Yeah, I, I love Colin to bits. Um, he's, well, the only player whose shirts I've got signed and framed upstairs in my in my room. Um, love him to bits. I think he's great. He's When, when we, we basically sense... Redknapp down south and time to scoop anyone with a Brentford postcode into the back of his van. And we came back with Jota, Harley Dean and Colin. Colin was the one least talked about, but by far the best of those three players. We Jota was decent for you. We destroyed him, absolutely destroyed him. Harley Dean is... Harley Dean. Um, Mac, Max Colin is brilliant. I love him to bits. We're slowly dragging him down to our level. Um but he's a, a quality, quality player going forward. I think with, with Colin at the moment, we've broken his confidence a bit. Um, the other week, I forget who we were playing, but he, he had a, a clear shot on goal. All he had to do was take it with his left, but he took an extra touch and tried to put it on his right instead for a slightly better angle. Now, a confident player just smacks that in. He probably wouldn't go in, but just smacks it and has a go. Colin looks like we've basically destroyed his confidence, which is what, that's Birmingham City's specialty. We bring in good players and slowly beat them down to our level. Um, but I know what you're saying. We, the, the basis for this sort of pretty passing football is there. We have got some players that do it, but we we kind of went halfway and we thought we'd find sign someone like Jota and that's it. There we go. We play passing football now because we signed one, one or two players that can do it instead of a complete overhaul. What you guys do with your your development of players is fantastic and I'm very, very jealous of it. Um, but you do it almost as a, as a collective movement, whereas we just sign one or two players and think that's it, job done. We're now going to yeah. win the league. So it's so, so interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sort of kind of delve too much into the kind of, uh, you know, to the, the Brentford history, the Brentford Birmingham history, which does go back quite a lot of years as well. But now you've mentioned him so many times. I mean, I was going to try and gloss over it, but I can't gloss <laughs> over it because you've mentioned Harley Dean so many times. And, you know, as you may or may not know, Harley Dean, it was, it was actually very popular at Brentford to, to mm. start off with for, for, for quite a few years. And then things went a little bit sour. For a number of different reasons. Again, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and I want to slag him off because things have moved on. He's moved on. We've moved on. Um, I think that his relationship with the fans soured quite badly towards probably probably the last year or two of his stay. You know, you know, silly little things that he, he was doing, which I think, you know, to see very, seems he's doing the same sort of thing at Birmingham where yeah. he'd be, you know, kind of calling, you know, you know, finding fans and calling them out sort of individually and sort of kind of tracking them down, you know, and sort of kind of just having these kind of really weird spats with uh, with people for, for 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 ridiculous reasons. I mean, even he even called us out at one of the, the, the players' ball at the end of season players' ball, which was kind really? of quite strange. Yeah, and the thing about it is that, you know, what you do is that you, you never sort of slag a player off, but, you know, if, if, if a player has a bad game, you know, even now we sit down there, we mention that you try and have a balanced view, especially as a podcast. You know, some people might have a, a slightly more, they might talk about it a little bit more than others. So they might, you know, highlight that week after week. But I think it's quite unprofessional for players to come dragging you down and just start absolutely just kind of tearing you to pieces for a bit, you know. So uh, he did that to, you know, to us. But he also did that to the fans, which was which I thought was weird. So I was just picking them out on Twitter and just basically just kind of individually, just any anybody who had anything 
to uh, criticize them about anything he just um he just went in on them but but it's interesting cause, i mean you you loved him i mean the birmingham fans loved him to start off with you know and especially when he did that 10 times better thing as well when he said you know the birmingham team is 10 times better than the brentford which was the thing that just kind of destroyed any love that any brentford fan had for him at all but i mean what happened for it to have just gone so horribly wrong you mentioned the 10 times better thing. I've actually written that in my notes. One of the funniest times at St Andrews, and it wasn't much fun at the time because we, I think you beat us 3-0, I think it was. It was the first game you played where, where we had Harley Dean and your away fans scored the first one and you were singing 10 times better, we're winning 1-0. Next yeah. one, 10 times better, we're winning 2-0. Yeah. And you kind of try not to laugh because you know you'll upset the people around you, but I was wetting myself laughing at that. I thought, you know what, fair play. What a stupid comment to make when you're leaving one club to go to the other. Um, and I was aware that Harley Dean was was well liked at your place as well. And uh, yeah, it, it it again. I don't want to make. I don't want to get personal about him, but it it's a special type of person that would leave and have that as their parting note. Um, with with us loving him, we we did have, have the song Harley Dean. He never gives the ball away, which is a complete lie because he does it quite often. Um, Again, he as as the captain and the leader, <clears throat> you expect an element of leadership, and it seems to be that. When we fight relegation, which is a regular occurrence for us, he tended to hide away and he stopped doing the interviews and he'd send another player out. He'd send Djokovic out to do an interview instead. And he, even even this season, George Friend started doing the post-game interviews instead of our captain. Um, and then he, when he would do an interview, he would blame everyone else. He wouldn't take accountability for, for the team's failures himself. And they're not all his fault because the team are broken mentally um they they just they're so used to defeat now it, it's kind of almost ingrained in them but he'd take no responsibility for that whatsoever and he did after a bit of criticism online he scored which is when fans were still allowed in uh went over to the tilton and called us all you'll have to bleed this wankers um which again we're celebrating a goal he's just scored and his reaction is to run up to the crowd and call us wankers for doubting him that's where my my sort of that's where I, I cut ties with him. But moving it on, I mean, obviously, you talk about Jota, Jota, who we absolutely adored, and uh, he went to yours, and then he disappeared uh, off the face of the earth. We've also talked about Maxim Collin as well, but there's also one player who uh, was very, very good for us, actually, and we were very surprised when Aston Villa gave us a truckload of money for him because he'd only scored, you know, he'd only been scoring for us about three or four months. So Scott, that was an agent, as we call him, Agent Scott Hogan. You know, got £12 million for him. Uh, our director as a football went thank you very much we could invest that in about 27 players and then uh yeah so we got him he left he went to a villa and we knew we just thought we were very confused but why has he gone to villa because they, they, they don't know how to play. he doesn't play the style of football that you know that, that, that they're playing you know bruce has got no idea so they they broke him as well you know which is kind of real shame but i have to admit all the beast fans were on the edge of their seat when agent hogan stepped up to take the penalty the other day and we were rather related <laughs> um when you uh when you beat swansea because again our, our relationship with Swansea this season has, has been interesting I think probably to say the least and um, it, mainly due to them their players seem to seem to play football with ice skates you know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they never seem to stay on their feet it's quite amazing like you know how you can actually play football in ice skates but they seem to do that and anyway I've been banned from saying the C word which is that um, starts with C and H E I can't say the C word on this um, S H E A T on this podcast anymore <laughs> been completely banned for saying it and i am going to be completely and utterly um 
professional about how we go about <laughs> it. And, and everyone's got their own way of playing football and doing their business. But um, we're very happy when Agent Hogan came and did the business for you. How has he been for you? I was going to say, you might have been happy, not as happy as we were. <laughs> we, we did you a favour by beating them and you kind of did, did us a favour by drawing with Huddersfield uh, the, the following day. And when Hogan came to us, um, he was brilliant, to be honest. He, he came on loan from, from Villa, which I feel dirty saying that word. He came on loan to us from them um, and he was firing every game. He was, he was just playing at the, the peak of his ability. He, he looks like the ultimate confidence player. Um, then obviously the world went insane and, and we all got locked away from stadiums. Um, when we came back after that initial break in the league, he was a different man. He just was a shadow of himself. Um, I think he's actually now this season our leading goal scorer, but that's really not saying much, to be honest, because our second goal uh, leading goal scorer is a centre-back. So it's really not, not saying too much. Um, but he needs the service. And he, he did an interview with our local paper last season where he was saying he was being played in a, in a two up top formation with Djokovic. And he basically said, I'm having the time of my life because this big bloke's doing all the work. I just had to pop up in the right place, right time and, and stick it in the back of the net. When we got Karanka in, he refused to play two up top. So playing Scott Hogan as a target man is never going to work. He, he's not that player who can lead a line on his own for us anyway. Um, and he, he just completely fell off. But as you say, he scored the other night and hopefully that's, that's the start of something a bit better. But he scored a few this season. Which, I mean, goals for us have been few and far between anyway. So, so, yeah. I don't know. Time will tell. But I, I, I love him. He comes across a very nice bloke, very humble bloke. And when he isn't scoring, he's the first to admit it, which sort of makes me think he is a definite confidence player. Yeah, he's no. always on Twitter saying, I had a bad game, hands up. And you think, we're not even having to go, you mate, because they're all rubbish. But fair play for taking some ownership. God, we, had, we, had a, we had a good time with him. Very short, you know, but a good time to, with him. And also fair play to him. He did come back from two very, very, very big injuries as well. So, you know, like I said to him, good, good luck to him, you know. And, uh, you know, he moves on with our blessing, as, as we say. But, you know, just coming back to the relegation zone, like I said, it still is. I mean, you've got that win, but it's still looking quite worrying for the Blues. But obviously you change your manager from Karanka. You've got Lee Bowie in, which is obviously upset. A load of our Charlton fans are really unhappy about that. Yeah, know. You know, the question is though, do, do you think he'll turn it around? Um, ah, head says no, heart says yes. He, they are playing with a different level of confidence across the board. And you, you do, I think we've got it in us to do it, but I worry that it may be too little too late. Uh, the tactics are better. The substitutions are, well, when they're under Cranker, they were non-existent. So the fact that he's making subs is a good start. Um, but they're, they're a lot more tactically minded and a lot more intelligent. Um, Karanka would would snatch a goal, then he'd try and defend for 70 minutes, whereas Bowyer is kind of taking the game, game to opposition so far. I mean, it is early days. Um, I just worry that Rotherham have got these games in hand. Sheffield Wednesday have got the talent in them to to claw their way out in Coventry. Well, they're not the best team in the league, but then neither are we. Um, I don't know. I hope we'll survive. But it's, at some point, you sort of fight relegation three or four years in a row, hoping that there are three worse teams than you. Eventually, you will find yourself being that worse team. And I think we may have run out of teams worse than us this season. In your team, I mean, who are you excited about? And, and, and who do you think should do better? 
Uh, well, they should all do better. Every single last one of them. Um, as for who I trust to bring us out of this, I haven't got a clue. I really don't know. I think at, at this point, when you're in this predicament, it all comes down to grit and determination. And we have got players like that in Gary Gardner, in Ivan Sunic, uh, in Djokovic, who, again, may not be the most te- te- um, technically gifted player in the world, but he, he's got his art on his sleeve and he puts the effort in. Scott Hogan, again, puts the effort in. He may not always come off for him, but you can tell he's trying. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I think that, as I say, the main issue was, I think they they should be doing better than they are. I think we are a better team than we are, which sounds daft. But if you the last three or four years where we fought relegation, we were rubbish without a doubt. This season, I think what's so frustrating about it is we don't, we aren't rubbish. We made some good, some clever signings. They just were put in a terrible formation with terrible tactics and had all confidence beaten out of them. I think if Bowie can get them singing from the same hymn sheet and when we had that international break, he needed to have spent as much time on the training pitch going through set pieces, for example, as he did team building exercises because they were just completely disjointed. So, I mean, you know, you sound like in one way you're quite positive that you might get something out of it. But on the other hand, you know, you might thought you run out of time. I'm just wondering, I mean, in the league, you know, what other teams has surprised you? You know, when you've played them, because you've played everyone now, you know, and also what team do you think should be doing better? Um, should be doing better, I think, Blackburn. Um, I think if you look at their firepower, when we did our, our podcast about lads going goal, at the start of the season, we we picked three up, three to go up, three to go down. Uh, I put Blues to go down. Um, I had Blackburn to go up. I think if you look at some of the players they've got, Adam Armstrong, Harvey Elliott, Bradley Dack, Sam Gallagher, who was at us for a while. I think they, they should be higher than, certainly higher than 15th. I thought they'd at least make the playoffs this season. Um, as for who surprised me, um, maybe Derby. Derby beating us 4-0. Um, they're currently 19th, I think it is. Um, and they absolutely, it was just before Christmas, and they battered us. It's the first time I've ever started writing my post-match analysis in about the 60th minute because I'd seen enough already. Um, it was horrific. But then whether that was Derby's ability or our ability to self-destruct, I'm not too sure. Um, but I, I certainly thought for, a, Dar- for a, a team possibly fighting relegation themselves to come and turn us over like that, they're certainly one that I don't think will be down there at the end of the season. That was interesting. That was a few weeks after Wayne Rooney actually became manager because we, mm, was, uh, yeah. I think we played him in the first game after he became manager. I think it was actually, and uh, or second game after, and the, and they were, they were just really hard to break down. He sort of kind of tried to make them defensively hard to break down, and I think he worked on things after that. But since then, I think it's gone a little bit kind of uh, a little bit amiss as such. But yeah. I think they're uh, they've obviously done enough to to probably stay up this season. But anyway, just coming back to the bees. And the, the, the Blues, as it is, you know, I'm just wondering, I mean, this game, really important for us. I mean, as for, you know, just giving the Brentford perspective, you know, we went on that 21 game unbeaten run. We were fantastic. Yes. OK, we have had some injuries from some key players, you know, Josh De Silva, who's an absolute key player for us. He's gone, you know, he's gone, you know, Ivan Tony, he's gone, you know, Pontus Jansen, he was out. He's just come back. Norgard was out for ages. He's just come back, you know, some really, really key players for us and, 
I don't know, we just sort of seem to have sort of kind of lost sort of the, well, not even the confidence, but the way that we also play our football, our free-flowing football. We're getting the ball up a lot quicker, playing probably a little bit more direct than we used to as well. We've just kind of changed our style and we've only picked up, I believe, it's 10 points in the last of uh, 12 games or something like that, which is really, I mean, that's pretty much sort of kind of going on to near relegation form, really. So it's important for us. It's important for you. I'm just wondering, how do you think you'll do and what do you need to do, do you think, to beat, well, this Brentford team who's coming to you who are obviously not firing on all cylinders? Um, defend, 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 to be honest. Um, you mentioned Ivan Tony. That guy gives me nightmares. <laughs> the fact that you got him for, for what, 10 million after add-ons is an absolute steal. Um, Brentford in general give me nightmares and have done for a couple of years, to be honest, even if we did beat you in the, the first game of the season. Um, I think if we're looking at our runner fixtures that we've got left, Brentford is one where if we get a point, we'll be singing from the rooftops. As was Swansea, to be honest, I'd have snatched your hand off for a point. Um, and maybe we'll get a last minute penalty against you. I wouldn't be, wouldn't be opposed to getting that as well. Um, but no, I, I think it'll, it'll set up defensively. Uh, and I think we'll, we'll play that mindset. It could be a very boring game if we're honest. Um, but I mean, after you, we got Stoke, Rotherham, Forest, Derby. They're the ones where we're going to try and pick the points up. I think for you, it might be a case of bore you to tears and hopefully counter attack. Right. Okay, so listen. I mean, it sounds like you've got a uh, you're going for a draw here. So give us a score prediction. I'm gonna go. Oh. I'm going to go nil-nil, I think, <laughs> which I know is very boring and not very exciting for a podcast analysis. But yeah, I'm going to go nil-nil. I think, I think he'll possibly play five at the back and just try and sit there, essentially. So I think a lot of Bees fans will probably be happy that we haven't let in another early goal, actually, if it was <laughs> nil all. But anyway, but listen, Mark, thanks a lot. It was great chatting to you as well. And obviously, we'll be sitting there watching that game Tuesday night. It's a little bit later than the rest of uh, all the other games as well, because... Uh, because of the TV, I think everything got shifted back. So we'll, we'll be sitting there knowing how everybody else has done and we'll either be sort of kind of biting our fingernails to the bone or we'll be jumping up and down with joy. So anyway, it's been great chatting to you, mate. Good luck to your team after Tuesday for the rest of the season and hopefully we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Pleasure to come in on. Thank you for having me. So thanks to Mark from Fat Lads Going Goal podcast, the Birmingham City podcast. Big game, Tuesday night. We'll be back on Wednesday to discuss everything from that game and the championship. Thanks for listening. Catch you soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.